Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Life in the Urban City podcast. We do these podcasts to create a community for students and provide mentor tips to youth workers. I'm your host, Paul Hudak, and today we are blessed to spend time with our executive director, Eric Boscos. Eric, it's been a while since we did one of these podcasts. Um, can you just catch us up on what you've been going, what's been going on in your life? Yeah, man, I mean, we've got a lot going on. Um, I would say maybe as an organization and as a leader here, it's been uh, some rapid growth and development. We've been um, blessed to have opportunity to influence and impact thousands of kids' lives through the various programs we have. And they're like close to my heart. Each of them, they meet such real needs in the youth culture. So that's been a lot of heavy lifting, a lot of background work. Uh, it's still kind of that me, you know, learning to step into a genuine director role, but yet trying to keep a foot in the game and, and never losing focus. Um, on a personal side, my family's growing, things are going well, my kids are dealing with distance learning. That's been somewhat of a headache, especially, especially for my youngest one, my son who gets bored out of his mind. Um, <laughs> But th- things have been pretty good, man. Uh, this mo- this last couple of months, we've lost a few kids, unfortunately. You know, three kids within a month and a half, all 18 and under. Two of them um, were murdered, shot, and killed. And the yeah. other one had uh, an unfortunate overdose. So having to bury kids, having to mourn with your students and families, that, that hasn't been easy. But I just thank God for my team. And those that are around me, we've been able to pull through. So, Yeah. Um, I kind of want to ask you more about that. I'm not sure if we'll get into the conversation we have set up. But um, how do you deal with students um, who you've known for years, and especially working in the urban city context, there's a lot of gang influence, drug influence. How do you deal with death in situations like that? Well, you know, in the beginning, when I started this work, it was more shock. Hmm. And I think now, like, unfortunately, it's a little bit of, like, anger at Mm. first. When I first might get the news, it's a little bit of frustration. Immediately I start thinking about, like, man, how could we have reached this guy? How could we have reached this youth? Done more. And then I kind of get pissed at certain systems and start kind of talking trash about it. And then then I kind of move to the genuine mourning and uh, just you know, weep and in, in private and um, sometimes within my team, you know, many of us will work with these young people. Um, so it's not easy, but, and then I feel like it always, their death motivates me to vision, to dream, to reconfigure, reassess, and to continue to provide support in ways that maybe might alter those destinations for yeah. these kids, you know? Yeah, wow, that's a lot. Like, um, I want to kind of dive into this one because you express a lot of different feelings. Like, why do you get angry? I think Is it more anger, anger at yourself or is it more no, anger no. at the system? Well, I just think, like, at first some of the thoughts that will come through my head is, like, dang, like, freaking parents or, like, 
where were you, man? This kid was hurting. Or I'll start thinking about, like, forget this neighborhood. Like, I'm sick of the same old crap that's happening. Like, it just robs these kids of life. Because, I mean, the reality here in Pomona is you can step your foot out the door and everything is accessible. You, you name it. Gangs, drugs, prostitution, robbery, straps, um, guns, uh, you know. And, and I just kind of get mad at the whole city like the the culture of the city um the re- the removal of access yeah and that kind of goes back to i get pissed at systems you know like at justice for youth it hasn't always been this way but like there's been times where it's been so hard to get to the place where we're finally permitted to serve kids mm. you know now now don't get me twisted for you listeners like we've had some dope partners you know one of our main ones that really has allowed us to serve kids well is Pomona Unified School District and Apple Valley Unified School District and Azusa Unified School District these are people who have been open to us coming in and and even our partners in Cleveland who welcomed us with open arms and let us at least do some presentations like but but there's been other times where it's just been like so difficult to just get next to kids Oh. And you just scratch your head sometimes. And that, and I get angry at that. Like, dang, mm-hmm. I try to get this kid a job, like, yet this system yeah. didn't ha- allow it. Yeah, no, that reminds me of, like, all the times, like, we're, like, just literally banging our heads against the wall. Like, dude, like, we're giving you the answer, and you're choosing not to accept the answer. It's, it can get very frustrating. Um, and, yeah, I, I don't want to, like, you're kind of naming all this stuff, but I want to ask another question. It's like, when you have all these emotions, these feelings around death and the anger, the, uh, the frustrations, the upsetness, um, and then also like the hope that comes in and the joy down the road, it's like, do you feel these feelings are okay to have? Are you upset that you have some of these feelings? And kind of like describe and go on that aspect. No, I think they're okay. I think uh, it's going to be a natural response yeah. for many youth workers. Um, that are in this context when these things happen you're going to go through those waves of emotions different emotions i just think that for youth workers that might be listening um whether you're a therapist or a probation officer or a case manager or a school counselor or a teacher like you have to find a community to mourn within you have to have healthy outlets to like let some of this stuff out, um, like physical, you know, maybe you have to consider counseling, which I actually, for the first time in a long time, reconsider like, dude, am I hitting such a low that I need to possibly talk with somebody about this? So it, it's normal, but if you're not careful, it could overwhelm you and it could um, affect your work. Yeah. No, definitely. Oh, yeah, self-care and taking care of your mind and your soul and your spirit is a lot because, I mean, I, I remember um, one week um, last year and I was just like, dude, like, I was done. I was tired. Uh, we had, we didn't experience any deaths that time, but we had like five, um, what was it, child abuse cases that we had to submit. And like, dude, that was just hard. And I remember just being able to connect and connect to friends um, specifically and just disconnect from the work because at that moment it was just 
overwhelming. I couldn't take it anymore. I, I needed to disconnect. Um, and which is awesome because now I'm kind of doing some of these breathing techniques, which is so crazy and simple. Who would have thought um, just stopping and breathing um, could help refocus and recenter your body so that you could alleviate the stress and anxiety. Um, and then I had one more question. I, I want to talk about the idea of motivation. Um, how does um, seeing these deaths kind of motivate you and push you? I want to help you push forward. Well, I think um, it may sound like uh, weird, but I mean, it, it fosters an innovation. Mm-hmm. You know, things can be birthed out of dark places. And I feel like once I'm kind of analyzing the, the mentoring relationship or process and then thinking about the death that might have occurred and, and reflecting on, dude, where were the gaps, like what was missing, I feel like it, it brings innovation and then I'm able to find a you know, a last pocket of energy or I get, I get, um, rejuvenated at some level to push, to find these solutions and bring them into reality. So an example would be, um, you know, work, right? These kids, like I I even just left, I just left the home, bro. There's a, a home of three brothers that live in an attic with their mother. They're all teenagers. Two of them are in the streets, gang banging, slanging drugs, hustlers, little entrepreneurs, one of them is and was on that path, bounced back. He's the youngest. He seems to be the strongest, but he's still right there, right? If I could offer these three kids a job, they would change their lives. Yeah. And so that, that innovation, it sparked me to think about an initiative this summer called Skills Pay the Bills that we want to fundraise for to hire X amount of students for three months at minimum wage at... 25 to 30 hours a week like dude yeah. that would change everything for a kid you know so mm-hmm. yeah i don't know if i'm answering it but that stuff motivates me you know yeah it creates like inspiration right it, it um like one of the greatest sayings is talking about how as you mentioned um great things come out of darkness and at times some of our greatest things happen out of darkness right we are always upset and sad when there's a a natural wildfire but a lot of times plants like they need fire to grow like there's there's um, certain pine cones that don't get exp- once they're exposed to fire they release their seeds and now they can rejuvenate the forest um i was just hearing um a, the guy talked this morning on bamboo um where bamboo it takes five years before you see any growth and within a year it shoots and grows 70 feet and for five years, there's nothing. There, it's in complete darkness. It's surrounded. Um, and I can just imagine, like, I remember us, when we first started here, it was literally three of us just grinding, suffering, you know, in darkness. But we knew the value of our work. We knew the importance of it. We knew that by creating these things, it not only going to change our lives, but thousands of lives moving forward. And, I, yeah, I think because of that, um, it creates and it shows us an, a gap, an area in our lives and in our work that is missing. And so we're trying to fill that gap and answer those needs. And I think that's great. I, and for those who are listening, man, like take that in consideration. <clears throat> who knows where you are right now? I know we're in the middle of COVID-19 right now. There's darkness everywhere. Um, 
within your lives and within kids' lives within the city. Um, and we want to just empower and to encourage you not to give up because, I mean, we've been there. We've, we've struggled. We've wanted to give up at times. But um, by finding our community, um, partnering with each other, working with each other, and just being able to share what's deep on our heart and what we're struggling with and helping us to bounce back even stronger and finding solutions uh, to these grave issues that you're facing. Um, yeah, man, that was a crazy detour <laughs> of our conversation. But um, the the question I really wanted to ask and kind of talk about today is showing youth or sh- showing youth and making sure that they understand the importance within youth workers of why they matter. Why does you, why do youth matter? Because I know a lot of times we, we work with kids and they say like, nah, man, like no one cares about me. It, why, why me? Like, I don't matter. I don't. And can you just speak on that really quick and just share a little bit about why you feel the importance of showing youth that they matter? Yeah. So I'm, I actually want to read you a text that will kind of spark this off. So I was working with, I, I just met this freshman, Gary High School student, Southside Pomona. I knew nothing about his history. First day I met him, caught him off guard. He was not going to school. I was able to coerce or convince him to come with me, re-engage his academics, think about his life. Very quickly after, uh, he went on a binger of Zanny bars and uh, overdosed and had a mental breakdown within his home, left the home, just very fragile because he was using, using, using. He sends me this text after working with him for one day. This is what he says. Okay, look, honestly. I don't want to continue with this whole program or whatever it is. I know myself. It's not going to help me at all. And I'm telling you so you don't waste your time on me. And the money I would have made if I would have worked for you, I would have used it all on drugs. And I don't want you to have trust in me because I know I'll let you down just like I've always let everyone else down. All I want to be is left alone. I don't want people telling me that I can make it through because I know I won't. I don't care about my life. I don't care where I end up. Whatever I do, it's my decision. And if it leads me to messing up badly, then oh well. It is what it is. And thank you for those $40 that you gave me for working with you. It meant a lot to me, so I was able to do what I love. So please just let me be on my own. I don't want or need anyone's help. Thank you for at least trying. This is a 14-year-old kid who's given up on his life. I responded to him by saying, no problem, bro. If you ever change your mind, I'm one message away. Stay up. You know, I respected his boundaries. But the whole time that I was with him, I was reinforcing what he doesn't believe to be true is that he matters. He's got worth. Um, It's not too late. Things can turn around. Um, In my context, working with a kid uh, that rejects this very idea, you're still planting seeds and they may not respond to that love and care and value assignment now, but it may take years for them to kind of internalize, accept, and adopt these sentiments for their own lives. What I just found out today, this was sent to me two weeks ago. What I just found out today from his counselor is he was placed in a mental health institution. He had a complete mental breakdown. And that was uh, brought on by the use of drugs as well. And here's how I continue to ascribe value to him. I will be visiting him in the hospital. 
and uh, providing visitation and support. And I'm going to do it very gently. And even if I'm there for five minutes, which most likely with this kind of a guy, that'll be what it is. I'm going to bring him a sweater because I know in mental health facilities, it's always hella cold. <laughs> and then uh, some candy. And then I'm going to write him a little card and just say, what's up, Samuel? I know you had asked me to kind of give you your space and I'm going to respect that. I just came to give you these things and remind you that there are people who care for you, bro. Get at me when you get out. You know, yeah. those kinds of moments make the difference. And I know I'm kind of somewhat dancing around, but when I tell story, I know that the listener always kind of picks up and translates some of these principles that sometimes I'll just maybe organically embody. Um, but it's vital. It's of the utmost importance for youth workers to constantly let urban inner city kids know that they have worth and they're valuable. And it's sometimes a, an uphill battle and you're going to get that rejection and that pushback. But you stay solid, stay consistent, stay creative in the way that you're articulating this, and it'll pay off in the end. Yeah, because I, I just imagine, like, I just remember working with kids and just all the times, like, man, like, why are you telling me this? You know, everyone I work with says, you're just going to be like your uncle, you're just going to be like your dad, just drop out already. You know, join this crew, join this gang, because, like, there's nothing else going to happen for you. Um, and what's crazy is that. Every day they hear that. Every day they hear that they're not worth anything. So when we come in and we work with them, we have to be the counterculture. We have to be the opposites. We have to go across or against the grain um, because they're so used to being told their lack of value so that when, when they hear that they do have value, it just, it's, to them, it's counterproductive. To their community, it's counterproductive because we're trying to move them away from what society and their communities tell them. It's like, no, they just, just stop, just do this. Um, and I, yeah, it can be frustrating for, for kids out there. Like you do matter. Yeah. I, I want to remind you, like you matter. Everyone in this world matters, whether or not you believe it, whether or not you're told it, the truth deep down, like you matter. Like what's crazy is that every single one of us, are created unique and special. Like if you go down the biology and look at our genomes, look at our genes, like even identical twins, <laughs> their genes are different. They're, they're unique in their way. Um, and they're special because each person could bring something different to the table. They could bring something different to society. They could bring something different to their family. They could bring something different to the workplace, to their community, to their friends, to their loved ones. And it's not until you realize that you have all this power and this worth that you can do that, right? Like, and so I, I, I want to encourage you kids out there, those who are listening, who, who might hear this, youth workers, I want to encourage you, like, we are the opposites of the communities we serve. We're going against the grain. We're telling kids things that everyone else out there is, are not being told. Um, and I want to encourage you to keep on at it because, as we mentioned earlier, it can become a dark road because you're going into the darkness and telling them that they are light when the darkness is telling them no, to stay dark. Um, and so I kind of want to encourage you guys all with that idea. Um, and, you know, we try to keep these things short. We don't want to take up too much of your time. And so I guess, Eric, if you could give some, you know, last couple pointers to people uh, – 
whether it's not about um, dealing with death um, within the urban context and or showing kids that they matter. Yeah, youth workers, man, stay in the game. There are so many people that are running away from this kind of work, and we should be running towards young people um, in the urban inner city. Stay in the game, get healthy, make sure you're doing everything you can to um, make sure that, that your lifespan as a youth worker uh, continues. Then to um, young people who are listening, man, we see you. You guys are important. You have worth and value. We hear you. You guys have so many uh, amazing ideas and innovations and creativity. Um, and we believe in you, man. You guys are the next gen leaders of our future. And we want to mentor you. We want to invest in you and cultivate that leadership that, that's inside of you. And then eventually we want to pass you the torch. We believe in you that much. So I really appreciate everybody that's listening. We have many more of these to come, dude. Hopefully you guys enjoy it. We got this tall white guy and short Mexican dude chopping it up on this little microphone <laughs> in, a, in a dark room right here in our office. So hopefully, you know, you keep listening and or we can connect over here in the P and, and hang out sometime soon face to face when this is all over. All right. Yeah. And thank you, everyone, for listening and coming to here. Um, if you haven't, go leave us a review on Google Play or iTunes or Spotify, however you guys want to leave a review so that more people can have access to our podcast. Um, and feel free to reach out, um, hit us up, send us some questions if you want um, to get some answers on how to be better youth workers or, um, you know, working with kids and kids. Like if you want to just connect and know that you matter and your, your, your life does matter, reach out to us. That's what we do. Um, you know, we're trying to do these every month and get these out to you guys every month. Our goal eventually is to do these every week. But right now, as we try to do it every month, um, we're going to sign off and see you guys next month. All right.